Well, um, to start, I'd just like to talk about the difference between how-to and a need-to message. So a how-to message is here's what you need to do and here's how you can get it done. But not all messages are how-to messages. So I'll give you an example. Um, at Jess's school in Schuyler County, they have a seatbelt meeting every year and assembly, and all the kids come in and they spend two hours telling them about how to wear their seatbelt. And they say, look, you pull your seatbelt down and you click it, and they spend two hours explaining it. No, that's not what they do. They tell them for two hours they need to wear their seatbelt because they all already know how to do it. And that's how it kind of is in the Christian life. There's a lot of things, maybe most things, that we already know how to do. And we need a reminder, you need to do this. And we don't feel our need. Um, I think about the prayer meeting. I mean, it just wouldn't make any sense to have a how-to message on how to come to the prayer meeting, but a need-to message. You need to be at the prayer meeting. That's something that we need, you know. Maybe there's somebody here who, over the break, they watch something they shouldn't have been watching, and they knew it. You know, they don't need a how-to, how to turn the TV off. They need a need-to. This is a, this is a need. You you need to turn these things off. Or maybe somebody who's a new Christian, and they're not reading their Bible, or they're not praying. And in most cases, it's not really a how-to. It's a need-to. And the reason this is also important is because for me, and for, I think, m- more for men, there's this kind of focus on getting things done. And when that's the focus, you're you're looking with how-to eyes at everything. So you read the Bible, and you're asking how-to, how-to, how-to all the time. And the problem is the Bible is not always giving you a how-to message. And you're going to be confused. And I've been very confused a lot of times reading many stories and many passages because I'm reading them how-to. How can I do this? And the reality is is that a lot of times there is no how-to, that it's different in every situation. And God can't, couldn't give us a how-to book because your life is different than every other Christian life and my life is different than every other Christian's life. And if there was a how-to book, we'd all need one. You know, we can't, There can't be one. And that's why in the Gospels, there's somebody who cries out to Jesus. There's somebody who runs to Jesus. There's somebody who just looks at Jesus. And... It's different, but they all did feel their need of Jesus. And so, let's read this passage in John chapter 15 and think about that as we read it. Is this a how-to message or a need-to message? Um, And it's common, I'll just say this while you're turning there, that it's common to read this as a how-to. That This is how I've read it for a long time, trying to figure out how-to. And Hudson Taylor said that... um, for a long time, he would read this, and he kept asking the question, how do I get sap out of the vine? And just think about that as we read this passage in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For, apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I'll ask you this, what's, what's the one word that you could summarize this message or this passage with? What's the main thrust? Abide, okay. And then the second question, is this a how-to or a need-to? Well, I think you know what I think. It's, I think it's a need-to. Uh, I don't think it's a how-to. I don't think he gives us instructions on how to. And if you go and you read afterwards, there's kind of all these thoughts connected to abiding, loosely connected. And my present understanding is that all these things afterwards, and you know, seven and on, he's actually recapping this message that he's been giving in John 13 and 14. And so he's not giving you new things. It's hard to follow if you're trying to find this logical how-to flow, because there's not really. I think he's just restating what he already said. He talks about the new commandment that he gave in John 13. He talks about how the Father loves you, which he talked about in 14. He talks about prayer, which he talked about in John 14. And so he's just recapping all these things that he's already said. Why? Why did he stop in the middle of this extremely important you know, message here where he's giving the new covenant? Here's this new commandment. Here's this new way to God through my name by prayer. Who... Here's this Holy Spirit, the new temple of God is going to be the people of God. And he stops to say what? To say he's a vine. What's the point of that? Well, the point is that this is the first point. We need Jesus. He's giving this message. It's brand, It's colossal things. I mean, it's a new... He's taking the whole law and he's condensing it down into one commandment. That's huge. And he's saying, look, nobody has prayed in my name before, and now you're going to do it, and I'm going to answer your prayers. This is, these are massive things, approaching God in a completely different way. And what does he take you know, 15 verses to stop and do? Just to say, you remember how much you need me. Like, Don't forget that. That's big. I mean, it's huge. Why would he say that? Well, because we need him. And because we forget that we need him. I mean, it's important. You could spend your whole life striving to love others like John 13 says. And you could spend your whole life trying to move mountains by prayer like John 14 talks about. And you could spend your whole life praying in the name of Jesus and, and trying to, depend, uh, to live like you have the Holy Spirit. And you're striving and you're forgetting, I need Jesus. It's possible. And so that's the first point, is that we need Jesus. That's what he says here. Look, look at these verses in John chapter 15. I'm the vine. This is verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it, bears that, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the command is to abide, to rest in Jesus, to depend on Jesus, to draw your strength, your life, everything from Jesus. And he's giving us the ground 
Okay? He's saying, for, why? Why do we need to do this? Because you can't do anything apart from me. You can't. That's why you need to do this. What if your Bible said, you know, the little heading, mine says, I am the true vine. What if yours said, how to wither and die? That would be like shocking. Like, well, what is this going to be about? Well, the answer is stop needing Jesus. Think about it. There are churches who are trying to love people, who are trying to reach out, who are trying to study their Bibles, who are trying to be, like Ryan Fullerton was talking about, unified. And, and they've got all these programs, and what happens is they stop needing Jesus, and they wither and die. I mean, think about that. That's terrifying. And it's not just corporate, it's individual, isn't it? Don't you need Jesus? And I need Jesus? We do. But let's be honest. Ask yourself this. Do I believe this? Like I was reading this passage and I had to just stop and I told God, God, I don't believe this. I don't believe that I can do nothing apart from you. That's why when I go into work, sometimes I forget to pray. Often, I'm not depending on you during the day. Why? Because I don't actually believe that I can't do anything apart from Jesus. Think about it. I mean, just a side note in terms of Bible reading, this should be happening to us often. We should be confronted and be asking, do I actually believe this? Not do I know that right answer. Is this real in my life? If I really believe that I could do nothing apart from Jesus, what would my life look like? I wouldn't go in to work on my own strength. I wouldn't be talking to kids on my own strength, I would be saying, Lord, help me today. So I'm asking you, do you do you believe it? Is this how your life looks? Why did Jesus choose a vine? What is he saying here? What's this whole metaphor about? It's about utter, complete dependence, total need of what? Of Jesus. Jesus... This, Jesus didn't think like this, but imagine this for a second. What if he thought, okay, I want to sh- share with them how much they need me. What about a leg? What if I said, I am like your leg. Apart from me, you can only limp. Well, that's not too far. That's not far enough because they can't limp without me. Okay, I, disciples, I am like your arms and your legs. If you lost all of them, you couldn't, well, you could still talk. Well, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. I'm going to have to find some other example. I mean, think about that. We kind of feel like that, right? We feel kind of like Jesus is our leg. Like, I really need it, and I kind of limp along if I don't have him. But Jesus is like, no, it's much deeper than that. I've got to find an illustration of something that's completely dependent. There's no hope of anything getting done apart from what? And he did what he ended up saying, and he didn't probably think like that, but that's just to show you. It's just to show you that this this illustration is something, it's more important than your leg or your arms or your legs and your arms combined. It's, it's completely dependent. You cut a branch off from a vine, there is nothing is going to happen other than wither, withering and dying. That's the only thing that's going to happen. And that's what's going to happen to us if we don't continually depend and need Jesus Christ. Now, it's not just me as an individual. It's us corporately. It's not just the big things. It's the little things, right? He didn't say, apart from me, you can get some little things done. He said, apart from me, you can't get anything done. And 
the tendency for us is to depend on Jesus when it's big things. Well, today I'm buying a house or today I'm quitting my job or whatever. It's natural to start depending on Jesus. But let me ask you this. What about your sin, you know? Is your sin usually in the big things, huge decisions? You you make these really big decisions and you mess up. Oh, wow, I bought, I bought the wrong house or I don't know. Whatever it is. I married this person that's not a Christian. Usually it's not like that. Usually it's I dropped a plate and I got frustrated and I lost my temper. It's like the person is depending on God and the big things and, and in a lot of cases they're it's success, you know, you're you're depending on God. For me at my job it's when a kid goes wild, it's pretty easy to remember, like, I need to pray right now because this is <laughs> But what happens? It's not that time when I lose my patience. It's when a kid just doesn't want to do their work and they're looking around. Why? Well, I'm depending on God in the big thing. And then when the, the little thing comes, I kind of feel like, yeah, I can handle this. And then I can't. And that's the way it is. We, we need Jesus in the big things, but we also need Jesus in the little things. I mean, Job, the, an example, I think Spurgeon gave this example, is Job... His kids die. His, he loses his house. He loses his health. He loses everything. And then where, where does God rebuke him? When his friends come start saying some messed up stuff to him. Then he loses. He, that's the only part where he's kind of like, how can this be right? And he seems to, if he did anything wrong, which we know he didn't in the first part, but if he, if he did anything wrong, it was uh dealing with listening to his friends. I mean, in one way, that's much smaller. I mean, than losing your whole family and all your possessions, and then your friends start come giving you some bad theology, and then you start sinning. That's, that's kind of the way the Christian life has been for me. I mean, praise God, you know, I married a good Christian wife, you know. Praise God in the big things I haven't stumbled, but you know what happens pretty often? I stumble on little things when I stop depending on Jesus Christ. So we need Jesus as a body. We need Jesus individually. We need Jesus in the big things. We need Jesus in the little things. We need Jesus in everything. And that's what he's saying here. We need Jesus in everything. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? What would it be like to live like that? You know what would be sad? is if we came here, you know, we came to church, we had a good meeting, we some we heard some good preaching, we had some good singing, we talked to each other and it was nice, and we stopped needing Jesus Christ. Because you know what happened? We'd wither and die. But it's easy. Because, just to be honest, just ask yourself, did I come in this morning asking the Lord, Lord, we need you to be here. Or did you come in just expecting it to be good, you know? Because that's what he's saying. There's got to be conscious dependence on me. You can't get away an inch from me. You need me all the time in everything. So think about it for you. I mean, it's not a how-to thing. There's not, there's not a list here of all the things, but there's something in your life and there's things in my life where we're not depending on Jesus Christ. It might be work. There might be sin. There might be sin that you're trying to defeat on your own. There might be 
parenting your kids. It might be a thousand things, but there's certainly things where we need to be reminded. Jesus is what we need. So we saw, so far, first point, what we've seen is that we need Jesus. Second point is that Jesus will meet our need. And that's kind of how this passage is organized. It's not one, two, it's kind of back and forth. Let's look at it, verses, verse 3. Let's go to verse 4, actually. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So there's the negative. We need Jesus. We can't do anything apart from Jesus. Now here's the positive. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then back to the negative. For apart from me you can do nothing. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And so there's the negative and the positive. It's not linear here. It's kind of he goes back and forth, but the two things he's saying is, you need me, and I will meet your need. And Jesus will meet all our need. That's Think about the image of the vine. The branch does not have to go looking around, well, I need water and I need nutrients and I need whatever else I need and I need to go find three or four different places where I can find my need met. No, there's one place. I mean, look, there's a vine and it has everything I need. And so we need Jesus and everything. And lo and behold, Jesus will meet our need. Jesus has all everything we need. Every spiritual need that we have. Every need that we come into for spiritual life, to live the Christian life, Jesus is there and it's overflowing out of Him. If you read the Gospels, the one thing you cannot come away with when you read about the life of Jesus is that there's not hope for needy people. You cannot come away thinking that. If you are needy, you open up the Gospels and you say, oh my goodness, this is the person for me. Because look, the paralyzed person... He just looks to Jesus. He, he can't lift his arms. He can't lift his legs. He can't even get to Jesus himself. Somebody has to carry him. And he looks at Jesus. As far as we know, he didn't ask anything. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then, I'm sure he was filled with joy. And then Jesus says, that you might know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Rise up, take up your mat and walk. And there he goes out. The, the, the neediest person in the room received the most help, it seemed like. And the people who didn't have a need, the Pharisees who were standing back like, how can he forgive sins if he's not God? You know, only God can forgive sins. They didn't get anything. They didn't need anything, and they didn't get anything from Jesus because they didn't think they needed Jesus. And that happens over and over. There's a crowd pressing around Jesus. And who, who's the one that Jesus says, power went out from me? Who, who was it? It's this lady who gave all her money away to the to the doctors, she didn't get any help for this bleeding, and she's so needy. She sees Jesus, she thinks, if I just touch the edge of his garment, that's enough. And she does, and she's healed. She's needy, and she sees Jesus will meet my need. And what? She receives help. And you could go through the whole gospel. It's just, the, you could read the whole gospel this way, a contrast between those who are needy and those who aren't needy. You could read the whole gospel like that and see, wow, the needy people are just getting so much help from Jesus. And the people who don't have a need, who are self-sufficient, 
who are cleaning the outside of the cup themselves, not depending on God, not coming to God and saying, you make me clean. They're doing it themselves. They don't need God to do it. Those people don't get help from Jesus. But what you do know, what you do see, is that when people come to Jesus needy, he does not turn them away. He meets their need. He meets what need they have. And not only that, when you read the Gospels, Jesus goes out to meet needs. People aren't coming to him necessarily, and he's going out of his way to meet their needs. He walks up. Think about this. John chapter 5, huge pool, all these needy people that are trying to get healed laying next to this pool. And Jesus walks up to one of them and he says, what do you want? He says, well, I don't have anyone to put me down in the water to heal me. And the waters get stirred up and someone goes in the water and they get healed. And I can't even get down in the water because I'm, I'm too slow and I've got all these problems. And Jesus says, well, why don't you just take up your mat and walk? I mean, Jesus goes out to meet this guy's need. He's been there his whole life, it says. Or I can't, maybe it doesn't say his whole life. It says 40 years, maybe. The reality is, here's this needy piece, person. Jesus goes out of his way to meet his need. John chapter 6, the whole crowd is coming. They're all hungry. And what does Jesus think? He's thinking about how he can meet their need. And that's what he asked the disciples. Where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? And the disciples are like, we're never going to get bread to feed all these people. It's going to cost two years' wages, and there's not a town close enough to get the food. Jesus is thinking about what there? The need of the people and how he wants to meet their need. It's amazing. You cannot read about Jesus Christ and think, well, I'm too needy. He's not going to help me. You just think just the opposite. You think, wow, I'm needy. This is the person for me. This person, he said he came to heal the sick. He came for the weak. Not, it's not the strong that need a physician. It's not the well that need a physician. It's the weak. And that's the same word, weak and sick. That's amazing. So all that is to say this. Second point is that Jesus will meet our need. Jesus will meet our need. When we come to Jesus and we depend on Him, He actually comes into our life and He meets the need. That's amazing. He meets all our need. And how does He do it? Just think about the how-to on the Hudson Taylor saying, how can I get sap out of the vine? Well, it's free. It's just flowing out. You just come to Him and it just overflows. It's not something you work for. It's not something you're good enough for. It's not something you pray hard enough for. It's free. It's a free gift, isn't it? The needy person that comes to Jesus, if you read in the, all those examples I gave, how many of them said, Jesus, look how good a person I've been, so that's why you should heal me. Or Jesus, I've got this dollar bill I want to give you, so you'll heal me. No, none of that. It was all free. It was all free. And that's the way Jesus is. Jesus is able to meet every need of ours. Jesus is able to freely meet the need. You don't have to bring anything to him except your need. Jesus is able, he's sufficient, isn't he? Just like we talked about, in the vine, there's everything we need. He's God. He's God. Think about this. You know, Colossians says, the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. What is the invisible God like? I never would have thought until I read about Jesus Christ that the invisible God it loves to meet the needs of people and is overflowing, ready to meet every need. That's amazing. But that's what Jesus is like. And that is what God said about himself here. Jesus said, what am I like? He's telling us about who he is, 
you could take this whole message a different way to two different points. Who is God? Who is Jesus? And who am I? Well, Jesus is a vine who's ready to meet every need. And I'm a branch who can't meet any, can't meet any of my own needs. That's natural. When we see this, when we see who we are and who Jesus is, it's natural to run to him. It's natural to see my great need and to see Jesus' great supply. It's only natural to run and abide in him. It's when we see our need that we abide. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying, isn't he? He's saying, you need me. Don't forget that. And if you see that, and you see who I am, you will abide in me. That's it. And Hudson Taylor said it this way. He said, What is water to a person that's not thirsty? What is food to a person that's not hungry? What is Jesus to a person who's self-contented and self-satisfied? So think about that. What he's saying is, when we have a need... We run to the thing that meets our need. When we're thirsty, we, we get water. If we weren't thirsty, we wouldn't be interested in water. If you're hungry, you want food. You run to food. And the interesting thing is Jesus compared himself to water and food. And he said, I'm, I, I have living water that you don't know about. If anyone's thirsty, come to me. He said, I'm the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. So Jesus like this. We have a need. He's ready to meet our need. But what is Jesus, Hudson Taylor said, to a person who's self-satisfied and self-contented? Well, the person who has no need, who thinks, I've got what I need in myself, they're not going to run to Jesus. They don't need Jesus. I can go to work and I can do my paperwork on my own. I can raise my kids. I, I don't really feel my need for Jesus. When we don't feel our need for Jesus, we don't run to Jesus. It's very simple. And so what, what Paul... But Paul, what Jesus is saying here is not that you need a how-to message. What Jesus is saying is you need a need-to message. You need me. You desperately, desperately need me. And that's enough. If you see that, if you see who you are, see your need, and you see my supply, you don't need a how-to message. Because if we needed an eight-point or two-point or three-point message on how to abide, we would have it, wouldn't we? We would have it. The Bible's sufficient. He gives us everything we need. But we don't need that. What we need is just simply to see our need and to see Jesus' supply. That's enough. And I'll just tell you what this has meant in my life is I was striving to abide for a long time. And I, I knew, I, I wanted even to abide in Christ. I, it sounded so good. Always dependent on Jesus. Wow, that sounds awesome. I want that. And the areas where I was least dependent for me is my job. I go in and I start getting to work and I get out eight hours later and I get in my car and I realize I have not thought about Jesus for six hours. And I pray and ask for forgiveness and, Lord, I want to be different tomorrow. And I would do all these things. I, what I would do is I would set an alarm on my phone and it would buzz in my pocket every seven minutes if you snooze it. And I thought, I'm going to pray every time that goes off, and that way I'll abide in Jesus. Well, it didn't work, you know. I was trying in my own strength, and it just never really worked out. I might say a short prayer. It wasn't from the heart. It was an external reminder. But then when God showed me this, and I just confessed to him, Lord, I don't believe this. I don't believe I need you. Suddenly everything changed, and God started showing me, wow, I actually need Jesus. And suddenly at work I'm abiding in Jesus 
more than I ever did when I set an alarm on my phone. Well, why? It's because I, I just needed him. I just saw I needed him, and it helped me. And the other thing that it showed me, if there's an area in your life where you're withering, ask yourself, do I think I need Jesus? Have I been going on in self-sufficiency? Because that's what God showed me through it. He showed me that when I sat down to do paperwork, I didn't say, Jesus, I need your help. I thought, I can do this on my own, and I'm going to get this thing done. And what happened was, over time, doing that over and over without depending on Jesus, I started to wither. I was, you know, it was a burden on my back. Paperwork without Jesus is hard. (laughs) And I saw, man, I need Jesus to do this with joy. I need Jesus to do this well and love others. I really need Jesus. And suddenly, life starts coming back into my job. Not based on some how-to, but based on just, I see I need Jesus. So just to conclude, I'm just going to say the same points I've already said, but I'll tell you them again. You need Jesus. And Jesus was willing to meet your need. And so I'll just say this to wherever you're at. If you are a lost person, you may have a knowledge in your, in your mind that you, need, that you need Jesus. You may know that in your mind. You may know that the gospel is that if you repent and place your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved. But you don't, you don't really believe you need Jesus. And you need Jesus. You need Jesus to have your sins forgiven. You need Jesus to live a life at all that has spiritual life. So you need Jesus. So the new Christian, for new Christians, you might not even be reading your Bible every day. You might be praying five minutes a day. And you know what I would tell you? You need Jesus more than you think. You need him every day. And you can't get through any day without Jesus. You can't get through, it's not just the bad days you cry out to Jesus. It's the good days. It's every day. And that's what I would say to the new Christian. You need Jesus, and Jesus will meet your need every day. To the person that's been a Christian for a long time, you probably already feel every single day, there's no way you could go without meeting with Jesus Whatever feeling you have, you know, you know, it's just natural. I'm going to run, I'm going to get fed, and I'm going to give my burdens to Jesus every day, and it's natural. Whatever that feeling is that you have in, in depending on Jesus, it doesn't have just to be once a day. You could have that feeling every hour. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You, the natural, the way it's so natural for you to just depend on Jesus every morning or every night, whenever it is that you take time to meet with Jesus, that that natural reliance on Him can be every hour. It doesn't have to be just every day. I'll give you a quote from Charles Spurgeon to end this. He said that, he said that it, it's not an exaggeration that he cried out to God in prayer every quarter of an hour. He said, not as a habit or as a duty, but... Well, I'll pause in the middle of the quote to say this. If there's a person who's depending on Jesus and they say, oh yeah, easily every 15 minutes I'm crying out to him, that person sounds like very spiritual, right? And I would think, how would Spurgeon describe his experience of this conscious abiding? Well, it's not spiritual. (laughs) Listen to what he said. He said, if I would describe it, how I would describe, you know, my prayer every 15 minutes is like a baby cries for his mother. Think about that. It's the opposite of spiritual. I mean, he's not like, yeah, I'm this really spiritual person. I pray all the time. He's saying, I'm a very needy person. I'm like a baby 
who's just crying out, I need milk, you know, um, or whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. This, this person who's abiding so much, what did he have to say about it? He said, I'm very needy. That's why I pray every 15 minutes. I'm like a baby. That's amazing. Well, I want you, I want this to be real to you, but I know that only Jesus can make it real. And so let's just pray together. Lord, you said this in your word. I'm, I'm just trying to repeat what you said. You're the one that made this illustration. You're the one that tried to remind us. And you said that you'd meet our need. And so here we are, Lord. Um, our need is, we need you to make this real, Lord. We don't want to keep going on. Every ounce of self-reliance, we want to give it over to you. Whether it's a lot or whether we've made some progress, there's still more progress to be made, Lord. And so we ask, please, Lord, help us to see our need and help us to see how good you are. We don't want this church to wither and die because we have a program where we just expect good things to happen. We want to be consciously dependent on you as a body and as individuals. Lord, we need you. I don't know how many sermons that we hear, many sermons, and I know very few of them changed my life, probably because I'm not asking, not needy enough, Lord. But here we are, and what we're asking is that you would help. Would you just help one person and make it real in their heart that it might change their life? So we just ask it in your name, Jesus, knowing that you love to meet people's needs. Amen.